0: Good evening. It's good to see you all here tonight. This is my keychain. Did any of y'all's keychain look like this? I have no idea where half of these go to. I think several went to my first church that I left in 1990. Uh, a couple of them were the house I grew up in, Tennessee. And probably the rest of these go to somewhere around here in this building and I could get you in it'll take 25 minutes as I work through every key on my chain nobody experiences this but me i mean this is this is weird and frustrating isn't it but it's our own doing right here's the thing that's even more frustrating to me bernard has a master key do you know what a master key is i have to sort through this to get through a door and bernard has one key that gets through all the doors. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you know what a master key is? Y'all look a little sleepy. Now, we're going to stand up and do a little kumbaya to get you awake. You know what a master key is? Yes. Master key gets you wherever you want to go in the facility, correct? Well, this evening in Hebrews 11, we're closing our series about faith and the, faith being the lens that changes everything. And I, wanted, I want us to bring it together, talking about how faith for the, the Christian, and the Christian religion really is the, the master key. Just a quick review to, that, that most of you know, but it's always good to go back and touch on faith, is how you begin the Christian journey. You, you become a Christian by faith. 24 times in this chapter, the word faith or its equivalent is used for the biblical word faith, that is found in this chapter, we find our English word, faith or belief or trust, and faith, belief, and trust are the same Greek word that we use in the English language in this throughout the New Testament. But here, what what does it mean? Very important. What what does it mean to have faith in the Christian sense? It means to be persuaded about something. Do you hear that? It it means to trust. It, It means to believe in, but it's a lively belief in. It's a it's an ascent to something. It's an intellectual belief that not only affects your head, but it affects your heart. It's I believe this, therefore I do this. Does that make sense? It's it's an active, lively faith. And it's a continual thing in a the life of a Christian. John three fifteen is the stepchild of John three sixteen. You never hear this one, but isn't this a great verse? So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. How many of you want to go to heaven? Please raise your hand or I will embarrass you. You want to go to heaven, amen. How are you going to get to heaven? Being baptized? That's a good thing. That's not going to get you there. Joining a church, it's a good thing. It's not going to get you there. $3 million to the children's building and well, I'll pray for you. But that's not going to get you there. Believing in Jesus Christ. Now, what is it? We get confused because we say, well, I believe in Jesus. And the Bible says even the devil believes in Jesus. Remember, believing in Jesus is an intellectual thing that you swallow here, but it makes way from your head to your heart. One of Billy Graham's men said years ago, saving faith makes that trip. That 12-inch trip from your head down to your heart, it changes your life. John 1, 12 may explain salvation faith, believing faith, as well as anything, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, some translations say received him. See, believing in Jesus for salvation means I trust him, I receive him. He changes my life. To the, the, the ones who do that, he becomes, gives the right to become children of God. You're saved By faith. You're saved by faith. But faith doesn't end at salvation. That's the whole, one of the big points of this chapter. It's it's everything in our life, it is the master key. When I started this series back in early April, I quoted Perry Laster, one of our wonderful church members and a retired pastor. Perry, in an article one time, described faith, biblical faith, in four ways. It's salvation. You're saved by faith. It's daily faith. You live by faith. Faith is also how miracles take place by faith in God. And faith is a spiritual gift, not a spiritual gift that you're saved by a spiritual gift, but that some people have the gift of preaching or teaching. I believe music is a spiritual gift. Serving. And some people have the ability to trust God in big ways and for big things. Faith is not a part of our faith. It's the master key from the start to the very end. You, you're saved by faith and you live by faith. Let's put some feet to that living by faith. The second thing this evening, faith is the key to experiencing the miraculous. How many of you like to see the miraculous and you, you, you see, see God do something great and, and wonderful and fantastic? You know, you'd be kind of silly if you didn't, wouldn't you? In verse 32, look what it says. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Verse 33, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. Who's that probably talking about? A guy named Daniel, you remember him, threw him in a lion's den and came back the next morning expecting to see by some bones on the floor. And Daniel was alive and well, wasn't he? You remember that? I hope you remember it. Verse 34, they quenched the flames of fire. Who was that? Probably Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness by faith was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Because of their faith in God. Verse 35, the very first part of it, women received their loved ones back again from death. In the Old Testament, Elijah the prophet and then his disciple, protege, Elisha, both of them, God used them to miraculously, by faith, help people come back to life who had died. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Pretty good faith. You know, faith... When you approach God as a Christian and you want to see God work, one of the requirements that God says, it's not the only requirement, but it is a key, is that you believe God can do it. Do you believe God has the power? You believe God has the ability and that you believe God will work. Let me pause and ask you, and you don't have to raise your hand. Do you really believe God can still do what he's always been able to do? In Matthew chapter 13, verse 57 and 58, listen to this. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of what? Their unbelief. That's convicting, isn't it? Hmm. Matthew 21 22, Matthew 21, 22 says, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you'll receive it. And probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Mark eleven twenty-four. 24, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. Now, let me give you a, a, an important concept. Faith is not a magic wand that God just grants us, the Mercedes, the Rolex, perfect health, and a million dollars in your bank account tonight when you get home—that'd be neat if it was true. Face part of the package. You're praying and you're not seeing God work. Examine. Do, do, you got to be saved to have a prayer life. As a Christian, you have to be in a right relationship with God to have—not a perfect, but a right relationship. God's not Santa Claus. God—even God, Santa expects you to be good. Amen. Naughty, nice—the list. That you know, you remember all that, don't you? You have to have a right relationship with God. You've got to pray persistently. You have to pray within biblical boundaries. You don't pray for things outside the scripture that you know are wrong to happen. And sometimes when we pray about something, we just don't know if it's God's will. We really don't. And we, we pray and we hope God will intervene. But sometimes we just have to say, God, May your will be done. I I don't have this figured out. In fact, I I have it less figured out today than I probably did 40 years ago or 35 years ago when I first became a Christian. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that a lot of us are not seeing God work in our lives or work in our churches because we don't believe he's going to. Rick Warren, you know who Rick Warren is? The famous pastor in California wrote the Purpose Driven Life book. And I think Rick's a wonderful guy. Rick said this, he goes, you know, as a pastor, I found out when I go to the weekend services or when I'm involved in things, if I don't really expect God to do much, you know what? He doesn't. And he said, I can't explain this except I just have to take the faith thing by faith. Isn't that funny? That when I pray and I expect God to move, it's amazing how God moves. I can't explain this. And I know there's times when I've prayed and believed and it's not happened. We're going to see in a moment where people prayed and believed and it didn't happen. But you cannot get away from this or explain it away. You've got to accept it. If you want to see God work in great ways, you've got to pray believing that he can and that he will. How many of you want the miraculous in your life and in your world? Are you praying that way? If you're not expecting it to happen, don't expect God to intervene. Faith is a huge key to the supernatural. But here's the third thing. Faith is a key to remaining true under persecution. Faith is, I'm going to add this in there, faith is a huge key to remaining true when you don't get that answer to that prayer, when you're not delivered, when the miracle doesn't come. I don't know about you, but I like the miracle stories of the Bible. You like those? And then God says it takes faith to see the miraculous, but I want to tell you, it takes faith to remain true when everything's going upside down. In fact, it may take faith on steroids to remain true when you're being persecuted. Let's look at verse 35 again. The first part of it is so wonderful. Women receive their loved ones back again from the death. Isn't that great? No, that's terrible. Look at me. Is that good? Y'all need a miracle. Is that good? No, not really. You know, dead people come back to life. Well, you know. Yes. But look at the last part of this verse. But, anytime you see that, it's bad, isn't it? Son, you did well in school, but you're fixing to get spanked, right? But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life and the resurrection. Hmm. Everything we're fixing to see is going to happen to people because they were following Jesus Christ. Or in the past, they were following God. They were tortured, they weren't delivered, the miracle didn't happen, but they stayed true because of what? Because of their faith in God. Look in verse 36. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Jeered means to be mocked or derided. Whips being flawed, common thing. Many Old Testament and New Testament followers of Christ and God the Father were put in prison. In verse 37, some died by stoning. Remember, that's not talking about some hippie using marijuana. Some were sawed in half. Did y'all laugh? I couldn't hear you. Y'all killing me tonight. (laughs) Others were killed with the sword, and some went about wearing the skins of sheep, goats destitute oppressed and mistreated one of the common ways even in jesus day when they killed people was by stoning how many of you know who jeremiah the prophet was i'm not downplaying any of your problems but you want to feel better go home and read the book of job and the book of jeremiah you will feel better and to make things worse jeremiah how many of you read jeremiah before Jeremiah had it pretty tough, didn't he? Andy, I, I, I would rather be a Baptist preacher than an Old Testament prophet in Jeremiah's day. Amen? And, and Jeremiah, we believe that he was stoned to death at the end of his life. It says some were sawed in two. How many of you know who Isaiah the prophet was? Tradition says that under King Manasseh, Isaiah was captured and he refused to recount, recant his relationship with God. By faith, he stood strong. They sawed him in two with a wooden saw. You think about that when you go home. It'd be terrible getting sawed in two, period, but by a wooden saw, can you imagine? Unbelievable. Killed by the sword, James was beheaded. James, the brother of John. John the Baptist was beheaded. In verse 38, they they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts, mountains hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Elijah and other great prophets of God and Christians even early in the New Testament had to flee from persecution. What a picture. They lived in holes in the ground and in caves, and they basically put on their body anything they could. If you have your seatbelt on, I'm going to tell you another story that probably... The the people who heard this letter 2,000 years ago knew very well it was a story that happened in the Maccabean period, which is the intertestament period, about a 400-year period from the end of the Old Testament to when Jesus was born. And this may have happened about 150 years before Jesus. There was a mother, a Jewish mother who had seven sons, and a, a Greek king, evil king came in, and he wanted this family to recant their their belief in God and deny God and to turn away from God and the law and they refused to do it. This is historically true. Here's what these people did to the mother and to the seven sons. They tortured them, cut out their tongues, scalped them, fried them in a pan, some of them, filleted them, stretched them on the wheel where you would break their joints, their bones, beat their victim's stomach like a drum. If you go back to verse 35, it's very sadly interesting. It says, others were tortured. Literally, that word torture can mean to beat like a drum, beat like a, use a drumstick. Literally, they said when they would tie people sometimes on the wheel, you would be completely exposed and they might take rods and beat on your stomach just like they were playing a drum. You can imagine a sick sadistic person doing that all the people probably are many who first heard this would have remembered these stories well of people who had suffered horribly for God it's easy to go well thank God that was two three thousand years ago don't quite put your seat belt off take it off yet You ever heard of the name William Tyndale? I mean, there's thousands of these stories I could tell. William Tyndale, you heard of that story? You've heard of Tyndale Publishing, things like that, it's from him. William Tyndale in 1536 in England was strangled to death, and then I believe he was dead, and then they burned his body afterwards. Here was his crime. He translated the Bible into the English of the common people. And when they said, stop it, and recant of that. You know what he said? I can't. I must stay true to God. How did he do that? Because of his faith and his trust in God. And you may say, well, this is the year 2018. We're much more civilized. I hope you're not that silly. In the 20th century, that was the 1900s, more People died for the name of Jesus Christ in the 20th century than had died in the previous 1,900 years. Things have not gotten better. They have gotten worse. The Pew Research Group, a Christian religious resource organization, looked at the 195. It's 195 to 197, depending on how you count to, countries in the world. And as of 2015, 169 of those were restricting and continuing to restrict or to be hostile to religious practices in their country. Did you hear that? 169 out of 195 Open doors is a Christian research group. And they said last year, 215 million Christians suffered what they would say high to very high to extreme persecution for one reason, being a Christian. You know who Bill Maher is? He's doing our fall revival, you know that? It's a joke. You don't know who Bill Maher is then, do you? Bill Maher said not long ago, all religions should die. Now, he didn't say all religious people, but hey, if religion's got to go, you know what? That probably means you're not going to be, you're going to agree or you're going to go with it. Joey Behar, you know her, sweet little lady? Mike Pence, Mike Pence, our vice president, said that, as he prayed and he listened, he heard the voice of God. He was talking about something. And she said, people who are hearing God talk are crazy. That's insanity. And, and I, I, may, I just took it a little more personal. I think that was a real shot at Christ followers. And so what, what, why I told you all that, and I think why God put that in the Bible, I, I hope there's a revival in our country and it turns around. But I think this is prophetic to get a hold of. We may suffer for following Jesus in the future. And here's what I want to plead with you to do. You've got to stay true. You've got to make a decision before the persecution starts what you're going to do. You've got to stay true. You've got to say, if Christianity becomes illegal, I'll be illegal. You've got to decide when you're cussed for the name of Jesus... Or when you're spit on, or you're hit, if if it comes to that in America, and it sure may, if there's not a revival. What if you lose your job? What if you have to go to jail? God forbid, worst of all, what if you lose your family or are separated from your family? I tell you this evening, you know what you have to do? You have to remain true. How do you do that? In verse 35, I think it gives us an answer. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. You know the only way you can be spit on cuss, lose your job, be separated from your family, be tortured, be put in prison, and stay true to Jesus Christ is by your faith in him that you have a relationship with him, that you believe it's right, that he's right, and that he's with you every step of the way, and that you're holding on not to this temporary life. Man, I don't want to spend 50 years in prison. Who does? But that's nothing compared to eternity. Amen? And he's saying these people got tortured and mistreated and they prayed and they weren't delivered. And how they stayed true was they had their faith and their eyes on Jesus Christ. That's how we do it. That's what you teach your kids right now. The only way we're going to stay true is if we keep our eyes and our faith and our focus on Jesus. I can't get a hold of his hand with my hand, but with my mind and my heart, I can hug Jesus and he's hugging me. But I do that by faith. Faith is the key to making it through the persecutions. Write this down. You plus God equals a majority. Well, everybody's against Jesus. Everybody's against the church. You plus God is the winning team. Amen? You plus God is a majority. So here's my last thought for you this evening. Faith is the key to hearing well done when you get to heaven. That trust, that belief, that lively dependency, it's the master key. It's, it's how you get to heaven. Maybe tonight some of you, are here, you're not going to get to heaven unless you repent and place your faith in Christ. Many of us, many churches, we're not seeing God work because we, we don't expect Him to do anything. We're going to show up on Sunday and we're going to do our little routine and we're going to go home. But we're, we know how to pray. Oh, would God, we hope God does something good today? We don't expect it. Face the key to miracles. I don't know if you were stunned or you were bored, but I hope that you take me serious that persecutions may be coming. And you're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it unless our eyes and our faith is on Jesus Christ. That's how we'll make it. Romans 1.17 is a great little subtle verse. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's from start to finish. And if you make your mind up that you're going to trust God for your salvation, you're going to trust God for the miraculous, you're going to trust God when the miraculous doesn't come, you're going to trust him when the persecutions come. You know what? Someday when you walk into heaven, and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, if you're taking notes, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. And if you have imperfectly but with effort decided you're going to trust God and stay faithful to the very end, you know what, someday you're going to go walking into heaven and God's going to be happy to see you. Won't that be the reward? You see, the, as the slab is the, and the foundation is the key to the building, faith is the key to everything in the Christian life. Nothing pleases God more than you and I trust in him. you're not a Christian this evening, you come tonight and trust Christ. You want to join our church? We need some more miracle praying, miracle believing members. Come join us. If you're a doubter, just wait and join in a month or two. Christian, maybe some of you are. You're doing great with this. Keep it up. Others of us, it's a struggle. Maybe you're struggling right now. Man, you ask God, God, help my faith, help my unbelief. You make a decision that you're going to trust him to the very end. And I believe when we meet in heaven someday, we'll all agree that he didn't disappoint us. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.